Are you a teacher who is feeling stressed out and overwhelmed? Do you worry that you're feeling symptoms of burnout? Or are you sure you've already gotten there? Have you started to dream of doing something different? A new job? Perhaps pursuing an entirely different career, but you don't know what else you're qualified to do. You don't know how to start a job search, and you just feel stuck. If that sounds like you, I promise you are not alone. My name is Vanessa Jackson, and I am a career transition and job search coach, and I specialize in helping burnt out teachers just like you deal with the overwhelmingly stressful nature of your day-to-day -day job and to consider what other careers might be out there waiting for you. You might ask, what tools do I need to find a new career? Are my skills valuable outside the classroom? How and where do I even get started? These are all questions you deserve answers to, and I can help you find them. I'm Vanessa Jackson. Come and join me for Teachers in Transition. Welcome back to another episode of Teachers in Transition. I'm your host, Vanessa Jackson, a compassionate career transition and job search coach who specializes in working with burnt out teachers who are ready for a career change, but are not sure where to begin. Today on the podcast, we are going to explore some of the four rules of planning, the therapeutic side of crying, and we'll take a look at the sort of people we'd like to work with in our ideal work environment. As December starts, it is important to have a plan for how to deal with the holidays, because holidays on top of teaching in December is a very special kind of stress. You'll plan out those last few weeks, what they will look like in your classroom. You will coordinate gifts with your family. You'll bake cookies and send out Christmas greetings. Maybe you'll go to kids' concerts or plays. Maybe you participate in a community concert or a play, and it seems like everyone wants to celebrate the season with some festivity or another, and somehow it all has to fit in one schedule. As you'll probably get to know, I love movies and shows, particularly about superheroes. I really like the idea that good triumphs in the end and justice prevails. So there's this wonderful character in the Flash television show who goes by the name of Leonard Snart. You just know kids made fun of him when he was little, and that's what put him on the path to his life of crime initially. His crime moniker was Captain Cold, and his character lives up to that. He shows little emotion, and he calmly rolls from one thing to the other, and failure is temporary. It just gives him another opportunity to plan. He plans down to the minute detail with contingencies. He has a quote on the show that got rather famous where he says, There are only four rules you need to remember. Make the plan. Execute the plan. Expect the plan to go off the rails. Throw away the plan. Follow me and you'll be fine. I have that sticker on my laptop. It reminds me to be flexible because things never go according to plan. That doesn't mean I like the change or even that I'm particularly comfortable with things changing at the last minute. I am often. It's possible I'm almost never the one who decides whether the plan changes or not. 
And the fact is that there is not one week on my schedule that does not have lines drawn through it with changes to the schedule that speak to the need to be flexible and embrace change. Scratch that. We need to be able to endure and roll with the changes. If there are listeners on this podcast who get to be administrators or department heads, one of the best things that you can do for your staff this time of year and to help them accept changes that you're throwing out is to give them time to process it. If you're the one catching all these wildly thrown changes, allow yourself time to acclimate. If that's not entirely possible, and often it isn't, do the best you can with what you've been given and decide in advance to be okay with it. It's important to note that while flexibility is an asset, okay, it's a necessity in teaching, even a rubber band only stretches so far before it snaps. You have to know when to pull back. This week's healthy tip is to draw a line in the sand and establish a bedtime for yourself. Set an alarm for you to do the bedtime routine. Work backwards from when you get up and go back eight, preferably nine hours. And at that magic time, set an alarm. I say nine hours because once that alarm goes off, you wrap up what you were doing and you start your get ready to go to bed items like brushing teeth. If you have kids, have an alarm go off for them even earlier. We set alarms to get up. It is totally appropriate to set alarm to remind us to get ready to sleep. If you are only getting five or six hours of sleep, this is even more important for you. Adults need seven to eight hours of sleep minimum. Children, and yes, even teens, need more time than that to properly grow. They've shown that sleep-deprived drivers are every bit as dangerous as drunk drivers. Lack of sleep contributes to the development of chronic health problems, including heart disease, kidney disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, stroke. It also leads to weight gain and depression. Goodness knows, teachers do not need anything else contributing to things that cause health problems, anxiety, or depression. Sleep is one of the top three things you can do in terms of being healthy, and it's something we can all do with little to no training. For many of us, it's hard to go to sleep. In fact, I never go to sleep. Sleep has to sneak up on me and knock me out. My husband can roll over and begin snoozing in about two minutes. Drives me nuts. Actually, I'm just jealous that he can do that. I require a sleep routine to trigger my brain to start the shutdown process. And while my husband is over there just flipping a switch, I have a much lengthier shutdown process. And here in the holidays, teachers are more sleep deprived than ever. And that makes it harder to be flexible when we need to be. And sometimes it's just too much. A topic of interest around the internet currently has been about crying crying in the classroom. And the question was, does it make us weak to fall apart? No, no, it doesn't. Let's talk for a moment about tears. Crying is therapeutic. We're told that crying means we are being unprofessional, but I've read in many places lately about teachers hitting that wall and crying in their cars 
their homes, and occasionally even the classroom. Crying is not a weakness, despite what the bootstrap society has told us. I'm not even sure why crying gets such a bad rap. If a baby doesn't cry when it's born, that is a very bad sign. In fact, it turns out crying is important for big people too. Tears happen spontaneously to keep eyes clean and healthy in the presence of dust and other things. Crying releases endorphins, which have been shown to lessen pain. Last week, I also recommended exercises, which also releases endorphins. Sometimes we aren't in a position to knock out 20 push-ups or jumping jacks. And hitting people is frowned upon. (laughs) Releasing those endorphins is good. It relieves stress and tension. And once you've had that cry, you push up from the bottom to break through the surface and breathe again. This is thought to allow the brain to be able to move into a state of calm. And our tears tell other people we are sad or angry. Certainly it is telling people that something is up. I am not advocating to break down daily in the classroom. But if it happens, don't beat yourself up. Almost a decade ago, I took a hard fall in the classroom. I was teaching band at that time, and I landed on the podium, the band director's podium, which made for an extra loud and dramatic thud. And I knew immediately upon landing that there would be no walking anytime soon. And I covered my face with my hands because it is so deeply ingrained in us to never let our students see us cry. And at that moment, they were tears of rage and not pain. Yet. That group of students had never been that quiet before. And finally, a small voice nearby asked, Are you okay, Mrs. Jackson? To which I responded with, No, I am not okay. Go get the nurse. And as I heard the crowd of thundering feet leaving the room, I thought to myself, I should have said, one of you go get the nurse. I was later told it was only three, but they brought back everyone in the front office at school that day. I was fortunate that those kids were supportive throughout my recovery. But even after I recovered, I stayed off that podium and not one person questioned my tears in the face of physical pain and suffering. I heard a teacher today who was explaining that they fell apart and then got called into administration. And instead of supporting that teacher and asking what help they might need, this teacher was told, that's unprofessional. So was chucking a chair through a wall, Bob. Just thought I'd try something that didn't break things. Why? Why is mental and emotional pain dismissed simply because we cannot see it? Just, ugh, gross. So to sum it up here, if you need to cry, cry. Cry in your car, cry in your shower, cry in your home. My dog lets me cry in her fur. And if you happen to fall apart in the classroom, it's okay. It's okay to talk to someone too. If you don't have a safe person to talk to at your school, find a trusted friend or a family member. If you've been pushed to the brink of what you can handle, start looking for what's next. If your school does not appreciate you, we can find some place that will. And in our transitioning out of teaching segment, we're going to start with a talk about self 
inventory. We are going to start a mini series within our podcast here. And this section is created with a lot of input from the book, What Color Is My Parachute? by Richard Bowles with Catherine Brooks. There is a new edition of this book every year. I recommend a current copy. They also have an excellent workbook that accompanies it. I'll put the links to the current edition and the workbook in the show notes. And we're going to have this mini series inside our podcast going through the what color is your parachute self-inventory to gain insights on exactly what you prefer in that perfect job. And we are going hunting for that perfect job, that perfect position for you. The instinct is to grab whatever job floats by first as an effort to just get out. But doing a self-inventory first will help you to know what you really want and to move purposefully out of teaching. So we're going to talk about the first petal on the flower. Seriously, it's a flower exercise and it's extremely valuable. This is all about the people that you would want to work with. So let's sit and think for a moment about what you like in your work environment. Do you work better when it is quiet? Or do you like noise in the background? Do you like working by yourself? Do you like working with a partner? Do you like working with a team? I used to jokingly say there was a reason I played singles tennis in high school and not doubles. The book tells us that there are six different people environments out there. There is a realistic people environment, which is people who like nature, plants, animals, tools, machinery, being outdoors and hands-on and that sort of thing. An investigative people environment is filled with people that love to use their brains. These are very curious people. They like to investigate and research and really break things apart to find out how they work. The artistic people environment is filled with people who like their life a little less organized. They are comfortable with a little chaos. They like to have the freedom to either create art forms or art products. A social people environment is probably what most teachers are used to out there. And there are a lot of activities working with others to develop and train them. And these are the people who like to help and serve others. This is an environment that most of us have been in for our teaching career. The enterprise environment is filled with people who like to influence others to achieve their goals. They like to start projects and sell things. They like to influence people and lead people. These are people who are comfortable with command. The conventional people environment is filled with people who enjoy the traditional office setting, the way we think of it in our stereotypes. They like record keeping and filing, organizing data, working off of a specific plan. These people like very detailed and organized work, and they like to complete tasks and projects. And this is an environment that you are thinking of when you are thinking of a traditional office environment. The beauty of this according to the book, even though teachers are used to that social environment, is that any of us can learn to excel in any environment. What appeals to you? As you go through this next week, think about the environments you find yourself in, how they apply to the people environments above. Which ones give you energy? Which ones drain you? So for this next little segment, you will need something to write with and something to write on. And so we're going to make a couple of lists here. First list, 
Who are the people that you most liked working with? What did you like about working with them? What qualities did they have that you really liked? Pause for a moment and write that down. Okay, you're back. Who are the people that you worked with that just drove you nuts? What were the qualities or quirks about these people that drove you nuts? Write those down. And then go back and write what are the opposites of those qualities in those people that were driving you nuts. And then add that to the list of people and qualities that you liked. I'll pause while you sort that out. And once you're back and you've created the list of all the traits that you would like in the people in your work environment, take a moment and work to get them settled in the order of most important to least important. If you cannot possibly begin to organize them all, start by putting them into three little word piles. Things that you really need in a work environment, things you would really like to have in a work environment, and meh, could take it or leave it. Through the week, continue to collect things that you like, things that you don't like, and work on getting them prioritized. A little word of caution here. I was always taught that when you really dislike someone, you just viscerally react to them in a negative way. It's telling you something about you that you don't like about yourself. And I have often found that to be true. So if you have any little epiphanies along these lines, you might want to jot those down and we can unpack them later. If you're going through the book or the workbook, I will caution you not to take the quizzes just yet that deal with interest profiles or career choices. Chances are it will tell you to be a teacher. And if you're looking at transitioning away from teaching, that's not real helpful. Focus on you right now. One of the best ways to combat the Sunday scaries is to make positive steps towards a future that meets your needs and doesn't take advantage of you. And remember the four rules of planning, paraphrased from our earlier quote. Number one, we make the plan. Number two, we execute the plan. Number three, we expect the plan to go off the rails and descend into chaos. And four, we adapt the plan and keep going. Stick with me and you'll be okay. If you're ready for help in your journey, reach out to me. Teachers in Transition can help. That's the podcast for today. If you liked this podcast, tell a friend and don't forget to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tune in weekly to Teachers in Transition, where we discuss job search strategies as well as stress management techniques. And I want to hear from you. Please reach out and leave me a message at teachersintransitioncoaching at gmail.com or leave a voicemail or text at 512-640-9099. I'll see you next week and remember, you are amazing.